Welcome to Turnpikers, the show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech scene. We're your hosts, Luke Beatty and Danny Newman. Information about this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. In today's episode, we're going to have a conversation with Mac Freeman. Uh, Mac is a uh, SVP with the Broncos and really uh, is somebody who I've come to know over time as the person within the Broncos organization who's the most fluent in technology and all the partnerships and relationships they have with a lot of uh, international tech operations and some local companies that are helping the Broncos on two sides, right? So the Broncos make a lot of tech investments on the fan experience and the consumer side. Uh, including stadium stuff and uh, apps and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a whole world of, of investment that they make with respect to player performance and, uh, and strategy and all that sort of stuff. So maybe you can kick us off, Mac. Welcome and let us know more about what you're up to and what, what you do with the Broncos. And then Danny and I are going to fire a bunch of questions at you. <laughs> You got it. Well, uh, first we, off, it's an it's an indictment if I'm the most tech savvy person at the Broncos. That's yeah, well, but it, it, <clears throat> they mentioned that that was a problem for them as yeah, well. My, <laughs> but a lot of my I do I oversee all of uh, basically the outwardly facing lines of business at the Broncos. Uh, so a lot of the interactions with uh, various tech vendors do fall under a lot of my various departments. So, and you know, technology really it's touching every part of our business. As you said, there there is a definite. There are two different worlds between sort of the performance side that the athletes and the coaches are using, uh, and then there's a really broad space that we use on the business side. Everything from fan engagement, a lot of analytics stuff, a lot of uh, fan engagement, fan enhancement uh, stuff, and and really. You know, you, you you break it down from there into even more subsets because a big part of what we try and do at the stadium and the fan experience at the stadium, and obviously we're in a we're in a battle with people's home experience, so we've got to continue to to deliver new things that that make people keep wanting to come to the stadium. So there's a big infrastructure part of that that is <clears throat> is not sexy at all. But to be able to do all the cool things that people are developing, we need bandwidth. We need we need capacity to deliver those things. So uh, it really it's a broad range of things we're involved in, and uh, I don't see it changing. The pace continues to quicken. the The expectations of the fans, as well as our business partners, you know, those expectations continue to grow day after day. So it's a we're in a race, and we keep trying to feed the beast and. Uh, the great things, there are a lot of cool things uh, happening. I think part, part of what I love is it's a great area in our business. There's so much profile on our business that it's, this is still an area where you can try and fail and learn and evolve. And um, in a lot of things we do in, in the NFL, you know, you don't have that freedom to do that because it's, uh, again, such such high profile nature that, uh, mistakes get blown up into very, very large episodes. Right. So, and so when you think about when you think about the relationship that the that the Broncos have with the NFL, how much of the partnership stuff that you're managing and and dealing with, certainly on the fan side uh, and the consumer side, are coming down from the NFL and the partnerships, like obviously they have with Verizon and some of these other operations where. You know, they're working on some infrastructure stuff for you. And then how much liberty would you say a given yeah, franchise well, I, has again, to do what they want? Again, two different worlds, again, when we look at that. The league, the league still controls 
are, are primary platforms. They still, you know, they manage all, all of the team websites and everyone's on the same platform. And so then obviously the, the mobile uh, interaction platforms are the same across the board. And so they, they control most of that. So that does limit the amount of creativity, the, uh, the amount of innovation we can do as an individual team. And I think, you know, that... Uh, for a long time, the, the NFL is, has been called the no-fun league, and I think that space sort of falls in that category. I think what you find is you have a lot of teams that you know are innovative, want to be thought leaders, want to be at the front of all this exciting stuff that's happening. And so we're finding ways outside of those main platforms to, to do creative things and innovative things. And uh, again, that's where we're able to sort of, uh, uh, you know, try, fail, succeed, move on, evolve, and continue to get better and find different ways to engage people. Are there any uh, cool examples of some of the fun things that you've tried or and have failed or tried and succeeded? That Yeah, I think we, we've got a ton of stuff, and I, I think we've probably got a bunch of stuff that we don't know yet which category they're going to fall into. You know, we, we do all sorts of things. We're obviously playing in a, in a lot of VR space right now. We have something, I'm not even sure what it is really, but it's it's called Beam Pro. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's, a, it's basically a uh, robotic Skype vehicle. And so it's a mechanized television screen uh, with audio capabilities, and you can remote control it. And what we do is we, we sit a prominent alumni in a conference room in the stadium, and it's taking his image from the camera in the laptop and projecting it onto the face of this robot. And we then <laughs> run the robot through the stadium. And, you know... Let it fall it, down the stairs it, just like <laughs> us. <laughs> we haven't had that. That'll be an expensive, expensive day. But in the hallway, someone will be walking by this thing as it rolls down the hallway, and... It'll say hi, and the fan will look, and it's Jake Plummer. Sure. And he's like, hey, how are you today? And he'll be able to have a conversation. You're with shorter the fan. than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get all sorts of funny episodes from right. this. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's some of that surprise and delight stuff that the fans just, I mean, it really is a cool thing. We don't have to make Jake go out and just wander the stadium where he's going to get mugged by people all over the place where no right. one really has a, a, a great interaction with him. But it does, I, and you, you end up with funny stuff because it's, uh, I think on alumni weekend, we had Plummer actually doing it, and we rotate alumni each game, but Plummer was doing it on the alumni weekend against the Packers, and he was going down the suite level, and he bumped into a number of cheerleaders that were coming back from some promotional appearance, and uh, he, he said hi, and they were all giggling, and they had a little talk, and, and then they continued to walk on, and Jake went forward with his robot and then Jake turned around to uh, I'm not sure what he was trying to look at yeah and at the same time the girls had turned around and busted him turning around <laughs> just a, a very funny moment but uh, all sorts of things like that where we're trying to find different ways to interact with the fans and and again there's a ton of this technology out there we're working with another company called uh, crowd optic which is out of San Francisco and it's basically an application that allows you to use Google Glass to activate other camera views. So if you were in a suite with the eyeglasses on, you could look over there and, and activate a camera from down right and get a view of the field and or 
whatever, the band, the cheerleaders, the, the, a replay, whatever, and it can activate another view from where you are. So you, you can activate different camera angles from one central point. Yeah, um, that's neat. So we're yeah we're playing with all kinds of things, uh, and again you know not only is there the fans enjoy it obviously with with all of our corporate partners you know they're they're looking for unique ways to use our brand to engage customers and and so uh, you know we've we've got a lot of a lot of partners that are really you know supporting us and in, in trying new things and and doing great things we've. We've been honored recently. We were named uh, Anheuser Busch's NFL Partner of the Year because of a lot of the stuff we've done socially and digitally with them, which is really where they're moving all their marketing to. So it's uh, it's been a great thing. But yeah, we're trying all sorts of stuff. So the Broncos have a huge luxury of of not having to sell tickets as being a driving force behind all of their. That's knocking on wood. For That's the right. Purely audio That's right. audience. If yeah. you lose. Don't win the Super Bowl next year. Our expectations are, are set there. But uh, I would imagine for a lot of NFL teams, there's a huge friction between creating an awesome in-stadium experience because you're trying to keep people from sitting on their couch and watching the game. Yeah. The two examples that you just gave are sort of premise-based experiences that are uh, new technologies enable. Are you focusing, are the Broncos more focusing on that because they, they have a lot more luxury there uh, with the fact that they're not so incumbent on ticket sales and trying to make that dream come true? Do you think teams like the Jaguars that don't sell as many tickets are working on that or do you think their focus on innovation is elsewhere? I, I don't, I, I, I would tend to give our culture a little more of the credit. I think what you find is uh, across the NFL, the business organizations and the football operations are usually directly related to the ownership and and the culture that's been set in place. And I think uh, we're very lucky here in Denver to have had Pat Bolin at the helm of this team for over 30 years. And you know, for him, it was never about making money. He viewed himself as a not as the owner. He viewed himself as the steward of a public asset. And so it was always about winning and doing things the best, no matter what it no matter what it was. And I know that sounds like a really sort of hazy general, but if you were ever around the guy, you know exactly what that means. And he always gave us and continues to this day to give us the resources to be the best and to be thought leaders and to be innovators. And so we're turning over thirty million dollar scoreboard projects to make sure we're at HD and the highest quality level on the boards. We're continuing to invest in all these different fan engagement pieces. And so I think for me, it's more a reflection of ownership uh, than, than sort of choosing priorities. Yeah. Uh, in, in a lot of places, they need to focus on ticket sales because that's the lifeblood of how they'll get better. But I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive decisions. You, you ought to be going down all these paths but you really you need you need not only the direction but you need the resources from ownership to be able to pursue them all because again you you do have to have the freedom to fail in this space because some of it some of it ends up cool you just never figure out a way for it to be yeah. relevant in the business side right. again we're we're fortunate here to have an owner who's who's done some amazing things and you know we're first First team in the NFL to get 300, or first owner to get 300 wins in 30 years, and and uh, continuing to add to that now. And you know we've we've had more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons under his tenure. So it's 
it, it, that's more about leadership from the top. But he continues to push all of us to, to be the best uh, regardless of the area. Right. So you've introduced me to a <clears throat> bunch of local startups and entrepreneurs that you've engaged with in your travels. Who are some of the people that you're in, in startup businesses around here the, on the tech side that you're sort of interfacing with most and you find most intriguing whether or not they, to your point, whether there's a there there or whether you actually, yeah, other than well, being interesting? There, there's several out there that, I mean, one that I'm pretty enamored with these days is a company called uh, Top Fan. And it's a, it's a guy, Jeff Cohn, who is local. This is a local startup, but is just exploding right now. And he's created... And I, I guess some people would call it an app. Uh, it's more of a fan engagement platform. But he really has brought everything into this sort of fan-driven community that all of us are seeing as the things that drive traffic and engagement. Uh, so that's one we've just recently sort of launched that this season. But he's already he's already made uh, huge strides in the music industry. Taylor Swift and others, he's just done incredible things with. But it's got everything. It's got the sticky content. It's got uh, a paywall for VIP experiences and special content. It's got great promotional connections, specifically in the music. You know, it, it's one of those things where you can go if you go into McDonald's. Uh, you will get a code to unlock special content. It's got the gamification stuff. It's got. It just seems to have everything wrapped up in it. I think other, you know, there there are a bunch of other local companies. There's a great one uh, if you're familiar with Ibotta, uh, you know, which is basically using fan engagement to drive, uh, you know, or, or fan engagement opens up discounts and other things. We've had we've Loyalty. done a ton of stuff yeah. with with Bud Light with them. That's been really successful. There's a VR company out of uh, Breckenridge called Fathom that we use to do some some VR stuff around our parade. Ski Data, another that's a Lakewood company, and you know they they started in the mountains doing uh, sort of the elevation and tracking of distance and skiing. Uh, we're using them for our club level loyalty program, and, and those are sort of local ones. And then obviously you, you open it up. There's we're really uh, we're all over the board. We've used River in the VR space uh, to to shoot some stuff, everything from our parachute jumpers to some of our uh, players doing drills. Trying to think, Spark People, which is a, a platform uh, that helps uh, basically houses and tracks all of our health and wellness challenges, because that's something we're getting into in a big way here statewide, where we're starting to create these health challenges where people can work out and do these things, but they're participating against Bronco players, things like that. So it's uh, again, it's a, it's a very wide spectrum of, of folks we're working with, and uh, obviously love it when we get to work with someone local because I think that you get to build a relationship there and. Uh, Again, the spaces are moving so fast, it doesn't matter which, which one you're talking about. If you're not sort of in a regular communication flow, um, you can fall out of the, you can fall behind the pace pretty quick. Yep. So you mentioned the virtual reality and augmented reality mm -hmm. a few times through a few kind of experiments mm -hmm. and stuff and kind of just my personal take on it, it seems like there's a, a lot uh, kind of heading in that direction, especially in uh, in uh, live events and uh, NFL in general. Yeah. What do you, uh, what's the future looking like for this entertainment? Like, I mean, in five years, 10 years, 20 years, what does, uh, what does going to a game look like? Yeah, well, I, I, I uh, and if I knew that, 
I'd probably be on a bigger <laughs> show with a bigger audience. Yeah, um, right. I, Both of I, our guys. I don't know the answer. You got to start somewhere, man. Exactly. You've got to start somewhere. Anyway, I guess if I hit it right here, I got big things ahead. That's of right. Me. We 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 could introduce you to some people <laughs> with a national audience. <laughs> but it's so wide open right now, and I think everyone's still trying to figure out: is this because I think there is some question as to whether this is more applicable for the home viewer or the live attendee. You know, you're seeing a lot of tests right now where it's pretty cool. Someone can sit in their living room and they're shooting it from mid-court in the front row. And for anyone who's ever been fortunate enough to sit courtside of an NBA game, something like that, that's a very special experience. And not because of your view of the basketball, it's because of the insight into you know, the personalities and the facial expressions and the chatter on the court. You actually end up watching less of the basketball, I think. But it's a very unique perspective. And so I'm not sure I've, I've sort of can handicap yet where, where the primary impact is going to be. But I, I know, you know, we're, we're in this space right now where it really doesn't matter what we shoot, whether it's our, our thunderstorm jumpers, yep. Uh, landing in the stadium or or guys doing pregame drills or the parade when you can put someone into that immersive environment they're wowed right now how long they stay wowed before that next step needs to evolve for it really to continue the momentum Um, i don't know but it is it's an it's an overwhelming thing the first time you put it on with the real gear you know i mean uh, you get wowed if you watch it in the little cardboard thing at first uh we've done some work with merge vr has made some of these foam headsets for us so we can you know connect uh get enough of them to really get some scale for fans to experience Uh, and it is it's it's a big wow factor i think you know for me i i still think the evolution has to get somewhere different. I, after about five minutes of those things on, sure. I, I need a I need a breather. Yeah, yeah. Or my forehead sweating or something. And, <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's a wow. It's a wow factor. But where it ends up being, I don't know. I I can see the day where you know I'm watching a game on my couch with this, and maybe Luke's over here, and all of a sudden, you know, he's making faces from inside the offensive line. Right. Know? That's right. Um, so you can you can see all as that as a crazy. player. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> By the way. Yes. Um, uh, and so who knows where it's going? But it certainly. Uh, Luke was, uh, and I, I'm very appreciative. He goaded me to attend CES this year, uh, and then opened a, a few doors for tours and things that really gave me a, a better perspective than I would have had just visiting myself. Yep. When you see the amount of money and the investment and the people that are pushing it, you know it's going somewhere big. Uh, again, where they where they end up having the biggest impact, I don't, I don't. I'm not sure I could guess. So, switching gears to the uh, to more towards the technology from the players' perspective. So, you attended the TechCrunch NFL event at Stanford the day before the Super Bowl, and one of the huge headlines there, obviously, is around safety, yeah. player safety. And, and figuring out how technology can change that. And, yeah. and if, if there's one sort of agreed upon threat to the NFL, it's certainly concussions and, and player safety. And I, it seems that the NFL is putting a huge uh, emphasis on trying to crowdsource that 
solutions to that problem and there won't be there probably won't be one there'll probably be a lot whether right. they're rules based or new equipment or new training processes or new ways of testing people on the field so what is what what can you tell us about about that side of it because that seems to be where there's a huge sense of urgency that's less recreational than some of the other stuff you've talked yeah, about. Yeah, no, abs- and and most of it specifically on the safety obviously comes down to the helmet and and concussions and impact and all of that stuff. And you know, they, there's obviously there's a ton of research being done. They there are now numerous products that can measure everything. I think it, uh, this is another one where I'm not quite sure. I've actually heard some interesting people talk recently about how you know, it may be making the helmet less protective Yeah, is what's going to actually make the game safer because if the guy doesn't feel like he's got a battering ram on his head, probably won't tackle that way. And so I, I, don't, I, I don't know whether human behavior will override technological advancements in, sure. in that particular space. Certainly measuring it and identifying what the problems are, technology is what's going to do that. Right, and then then what the solution is from there. I, uh, I'm, I'm sure technology will play a part, but it's interesting that you're now hearing sort of uh, really sort of down to earth thinking that's yeah. based on human behavior that might actually be more powerful. Yeah. But uh, you know, one of the things from that, and that was a fascinating uh, uh, program uh, that you obviously had a big part in putting together at first in future. But one of the things you saw, and and you now you saw it uh, this week. Uh, this past week at the Combine, and there were certainly several in the first and future program, is the wearable thing. You know, wearables are now getting out in all sorts of, of ways. There, I forget, there, there was one presenter there that was more about hydration and stuff like that. At the Combine, they were putting them on players and getting all real-time uh, vitals, everything from the body read. So coaches and, and, and scouts were able to see sort of, you know, watch and doctors, even more importantly, doctors watch the body react at sort of high levels of exertion through the different drills. So I think you, the wearable piece, uh, you know, as, as chips and everything else get smaller and smaller uh, and less obtrusive and get cheaper and cheaper, you're going to see them in everything, and I think that's uh, that's one of the big things moving forward. And the combine actually this year had a, you know, that was another window where you saw tech moving in in a really big way. And you know, everything from the, I don't know if you saw Adidas came up with that special forty-yard cleat, yeah, uh, the lightest shoe ever produced, and in something where a tenth of a second matters. Uh, getting, you know, this technology-created special cleat, you know, all those things are, are I mean, they, it again, to the point they're creating everything. That was the other thing that Microsoft with a, I'm trying to think with the uh, Explore Consulting and Microsoft did a, did a system, and this is more for coaches and, and scouts, but they basically took the, the Microsoft Surface tablets and had everything in real time loading in. So no matter which drill was going on and who was watching what, all of the data was immediately pumping in in real time to their Surface tablets. So it took, and and you know this, you, you played competitive sports for a while. Yeah, you know, it took it took 
stopwatches and all that stuff out of their hands where they were actually watching the athlete, which I have to think is, is progress. Because, sure. you know, you have 20 different guys at the same line pressing and they're probably all off by a tenth. And now you're getting, you know, com completely computerized single answers. Everyone's getting the same data and they're actually watching the way a guy does a drill. How fluid is he? They always talk about, you know, open hips and all the things that that football guys like to talk about. And and so all of that, I, I think, is, is, is obviously having an impact and going to make the game better. So it was the, the, the other stuff you saw, again, the VR, um, the company, Striver Labs was at the Combine, and they had developed a program to test how quarterbacks read defenses. And I'm not sure what Yeah, we saw some of that at Stanford, exactly, too, exactly. which was tracking the athlete's vision line of sight and what they were looking at and how distractible they were and all of that. That exactly. was crazy. And then, and then there's a, again there's a whole world and we, we it's it's not even startups and tech necessarily but all of the analytics are, are really coming to bear so one of the things just in the last three years in football and the NFL in particular that's sort of picked up a lot of speed are things like sleep studies and sleep analysis yeah. and and you know should we fly back after the game or should we get them right into bed and keep them in their sleep pattern and Gatorade did a bunch of stuff uh, studying that as well. So there, there is there all, all obviously the hydration and the other things matter too. But it's just it's it's a flood. I mean the the analytics and the uh, all the technology that's helping you know capture that and then process it. it. It's everywhere now in sports. So the Broncos were one of the first teams right to switch to getting rid of a binder based playbook and mm -hmm. move to an iPad. Yeah, who's it's Microsoft who, Surface? Uh, is it Microsoft Surface? Excuse me. Yeah. It is now. I, in the first I've transition. Never seen, I, the only time I've ever seen a Microsoft iPad. Surface is, is, is at a football game. Microsoft. It's another plug. I should, yeah, I should apologize for that because I, I should know better. Uh, it's while you're wearing your Bose headphones. That's right. Tell me about uh, what's what's powering that? How's that working? That's obviously a, 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 not something that a bunch of coaches have any ability to. Uh, coaches to were not screaming for that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, uh, how, how, I mean, obviously now it's ubiquitous well, in the it, NFL. It's, it's it's like anything, right? If if you're taking people to a better place, you end up in a good spot. But I'm sure why you were smiling and I was smiling as you were asking it is if you can imagine a bunch of 55-year-old lifetime football coaches who, you know, might still be carrying a flip phone, the whole idea of the playbook being in a tablet or iPad or whatever, that's that's a that's a challenge moment for them. So was that, was that driven by the the Microsoft relationship or was that because the Broncos were the first team to do that or was that somebody in the Broncos organization saying we can collect more data secure our playbooks make them dynamic and do all these sorts of things or was that was that your sponsor and, and the provider coming in yeah, saying a little of both but I it was it was more I think again I think we like to think and I I appreciate how you frame that all um, 
I'm not sure we threw the binder out and just dove into the pool. Yeah. There was a transition that's window. A, that's what I was sold. Where we <laughs> <laughs> that's why we were winning, because we had tablets. <laughs> well, to we need point, more tablets. we were on the front end of that transition, and I think that is that is consistent with who we are, and, and you know we want to be the first to figuring out how to do it a better way. There's no question that that from a security standpoint, it's a better way to do it. Yeah. Because, you know, you can, when a player is cut, you don't have to tell him to go home. Yeah, there's great, there's great. I found, a, just I, I found a Vikings it. playbook story in the airport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there are lots of reasons that, that no one can argue it's a better thing. But again, when you have uh, folks that are used to doing something a certain way and have been doing it that way for a long time, and they believe their way is good, Asking them to change is a tough thing, but I, I think uh, you watch it now. You know, we get on the plane after on a road game, and the IT guys are have loaded up the game film, and the coaches are sitting there all on their on their tablets watching the game and going through in a much more efficient way than they would have done in the past. So, again, it, it's taking them to a better place. Change is never easy, but yeah, I think. Uh, as as we try to be, we were on the front end of that curve. Danny, why don't you fire up one more question, What's, and then we'll let uh, we'll let Matt get back to winning us another sure. Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Um, what's the uh, the tech team at the Broncos look like? What's the composition? What's well, uh, you know, it's a really broad uh, category, and it's spread over a bunch of different departments because they're obviously. You know, we we have an IT department, sure. like a lot of folks, and you know that's a lot of the the hardware and the infrastructure, and 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 then obviously there's a there's a heavy component now um, as it relates to the video and the and the tablets, and you know moving that all from six or seven people who used to spend weeks at a copier, uh, that's now an IT crew and a video crew working to. To, to keep everything updated and get all the new scouting stuff in. To, and you've got, obviously, personnel department. You've got coaches looking at actual game film. You've got personnel looking at college and other pro personnel. So that is a huge operation. We've got, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll use tech broadly here, um, we've got our digital media department. So there's the, this wouldn't be necessarily the technical part, but we... We, we have obviously a lot of writers, a lot of video editors, a lot of on-camera and camera shooters, writers, uh, you know, a whole bunch of folks that are uh, generating content. That group now actually has someone who writes code. That was a, a big step for us this year where we're actually doing a lot of pages ourselves and, and designing that stuff. And another thing that I, I think we're pretty early in the, uh, in the rotation, if you went around the NFL, you wouldn't find too many teams that have people on staff writing code. And I think even into, even into the football operation now, uh, we now have an analytics position on the, on the football side doing all of the statistical analysis for everything from situational football, you know, when you're talking about how you run the last two minutes of a game, to all the way to profiling existing coaches in the league. They all have tendencies, and you know, cool. as, as you do, as you're able to get 
then harness all this data, you, you can now derive real value from it. And so obviously you, we're putting resources to that stuff, hoping it, it gives us uh, some advantage. And, and, and I think, you know, hard to argue with where we're at holding a trophy right now. So it's, uh, I think, the again, tech's touching so many different points. It's not really a tech department. Sure, it's it's sure. touching uh, uh, just about everything. And obviously IT, as well as the content uh, and digital media team, they're really interacting with every other department uh, within, the, within the team and the business side. My last question is around the existing consumer-facing media applications that you have, Broncos 365 and those sorts of things, they seem to be, uh, they seem to have a lot of really great content in it. And it seems like you're, there's a huge opportunity for you to get those into more people's hands, right? There seems like a go to market for that, right? Like even when I share things, I think, um, on social and in other environments, people are, where did you get that video of post-game speech from the coach? And I, it, it seems to be more available, but I don't know that people necessarily feel like there's, that, that they know about all those access points. And maybe just for the sake of reaching out yeah. to this audience, like what are some of the ways that are available to everybody where they can experience, you know, some of the some of the media that you guys are creating and, and putting on the grid that, that they may not know how to do. They may not know that there's yeah. access. Well to. I, I, and I appreciate you asking. Obviously the, the, the main the main hub is obviously the, the Denverbroncos.com and that's where basically everything gets loaded into. You know, the social world has has really taken over um, as sort of the intro to everything and then obviously when they want to get to the the bigger content, it's all housed in the mothership. But the apps, um, you know, it's interesting that we're definitely finding that the apps are driving more uh, because we are able to push out notifications and get that stuff. It's it's overtaking the mobile numbers. But I think you know, it's what are your what are your what are your desktop versus mobile sort of audience division right now for for all of your media. I'm going to have to get back to you on specifics, but the, the some of the <laughs> stats. Well, no, I did bring a few stats from and to the to the point about um, people not necessarily you know knowing where to get it and know, knowing being in the loop. The social impressions for us. This was one of the numbers that staggered me. But our social impressions for 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 Super Bowl, basically the playoff window. We're 213 million impressions on social. Ah, so it, I, I actually haven't had the moment where I asked myself the question you asked me, thinking that not enough people knew what was going on or were connecding with right. us. Those guys who you have <laughs> that can code, that's the question you should ask them when you get back to I the will. office. I will. Well, I've actually been spending two weeks patting them on the back for 213 sure. million that's impressions right. in a short window. Right. Um, and, and, because, and not being... And not knowing that that might even happen. That's yeah. not even a preparable event, right? Exactly. And, and uh, no, our team worked incredibly hard. I mean, I, one of the things, you know, it's, it's funny the league does it. And uh, uh, they, they compare teams against each other. So we wildly outperformed the Panthers in almost every social measure uh, during, during Super Bowl week. And we crushed them on Facebook. They were, they were pretty comparable on 
on Twitter. We crushed them on Instagram and other, the other platforms. So uh, our group did a phenomenal job. It was a ton of work and got, I mean, I think it was like 7,000 posts, I think we put out in the four or five days leading up to the game. I mean, we were just putting stuff out left and right. And it was, uh, luckily it was, uh, it was being gobbled up. People couldn't get enough of it. And I think, uh, you know, it, it brought a lot more uh, unique viewers to our world and hopefully we'll, we'll give them compelling content going on going forward so we can hold them. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Mac. It was great to have you here. We're very, lucky very to have a we're Absolutely. lucky to have a family owned Super Bowl championship football team in this Amen. town, and uh, and uh, I know you're uh, trying to win a Super Bowl every year. And, we will. Uh, that Mr. Mr. Boland, every year when asked for his prediction of the season, he was he's always been famous for saying nineteen and zero. That's and right. That was always his. Uh, that's the goal every year for us, and I think. Uh, you know, the organization's full of a lot of people that were around him for a long time. And, you know, football side's in good hands with John Elway. And we'll keep uh, we'll keep making the money so he can put a great product on the field. But he's obviously, he's the one most responsible for putting us in uh, the seat we're in today. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Well, we'll have you back if you win a Super Bowl next uh Next February. Yeah, well, I hope I, I hope I was uh, mildly entertaining after Galman. I, I listened to a little bit of that, and there were references to motorcycle slots, selling yep. employees, and a bunch of f bombs. So yeah, I hope I didn't disappoint. This was very clean. I we hope actually I didn't to, disappoint. The last podcast we had to submit as explicit, explicit so I yep. think we might have dodged the explicit bar today. So that's yep. that's pretty good. So uh, cheers. That's cheers. Thanks, Mac. You bet. Thanks this is awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Turnpikers, a show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech community. You can reach us directly and discover more about the show at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Please send us your questions, comments, and recommend future guests.